This is a production of the AJ Podcast Network. What is going on? I can relate to that podcast. Bax is in the house. Amory's in the house. Amory, don't say anything just yet. Don't say anything just yet because I need that extra energy from you. Bax, what is happening? It's going, my guy. How you doing? Oh, it's going beautifully. Beautifully. All right. I'm ready for Amory. I want a smile put on my face. <laughs> oh, my God. You just said that so loud that your microphone dropped a little bit. They, they, I don't know. Whatever it is. <laughs> All right, Amory. How are you? What's going on? Good, good. Everything's good. Everything's good. I am excited I, as all hell today. Excited. It is a very exciting day. It exciting is a very day. exciting day. It's amazing. We're going to have... Who, who are we going to have? Who are we going to have? I've been working on this project for a while. We finally got DC Glenn. You're probably wondering, who is DC Glenn? Do we all know DC Glenn? You may not know the name. But how about, let, let's do it this way. I'll, I'll just play the clip and you guys know what, exactly what I'm talking about. Party people! Yeah! Tag team music in full effect. That's me, DC. The brain's the cream. And my man, Steve Roland. Whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. Tag team. Let's begin. Party Dude, that's that jam for real, man. That's that jam for real, bro. That's timeless, man. They're going to play that song forever. That song, I don't know. I still love to play this song in the background. Or not background, but in the car. When I hear it come on in the car radio, I crank up that bass. I crank up the volume. And yes, for those who are listening to our podcast, yes, I did get a copyright clearance to play this song. And that was a uh, project I had to do. That was that's what took so long to get DC Glenn on. Well, I mean AJ Bax, what am I gonna tell you? We're going big time now. All right, we're getting big time. Absolutely. You're ready, you're ready. ready. (laughs) All right. If you guys have been living underneath the rock for the last twenty five years, okay, I'm gonna stop playing the song. You're gonna know this one. You gotta know this one. It's it's recent. If you watched the Super Bowl after Christmas, this this commercial came out. Ready? Here it goes. Tasha, did you know Geico could save you hundreds on car insurance and a whole lot more? So what are you waiting for? Hip hop group tag team to help you plan dessert? Ah, uh, French vanilla, rocky road, chocolate peanut butter cookie dough. Chakalaka, chakalaka. I mean, it's just see all the ways you could say sprinkles. Yes, I love it. Sprinkles. Sprinkles. Even my seven-year-old daughter walks around the house. Sprinkles. I mean, she knows who uh, DC Glenn is now. And when I told her, I says, "Guess who's coming on the show? The sprinkler guy. Sprinkle guy." Like, yay! I know. So exciting. So exciting. I gotta get. I I gotta get my daughter on later on and sneak her in and say sprinkles. That's what I gotta do. Gotta do that. This is legendary. This is legendary, man. Absolutely, absolutely, guys. How you been? You know anything interesting going on before DC calls in? Well, I do have a quick little story I could share with you. Okay, what's going on? 
Okay, talking about my car. Okay, just one little quick story about the car. So I'm on the Long Island Expressway and it's been <laughs> raining here. Okay, it's been <laughs> raining here. All right, here we go. So I have the window rolled down and I hear this like flapping noise in the back of my car. I'm like, it, it really sounds like something flapping, like flap, 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 flap. So I'm like, I call Chris and I said, Chris, there's something like flapping in the back of the car. Like, I think I have a flat tire. So he was like, well, you better get out. I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. So I pull over, I get out of the car. I look, the back tire is not flat. I look on the other side, nothing's flat. The whole way to work, flat, 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 flat. I mean, it was horrible. I finally get to work. I get out of the car. I can't figure out like what, what was that? But obviously I got to work, nothing was wrong. That night I get out of work, I go all the way home. The next day I get in my car, same thing. Flap, 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 flap. I go to the gas station and I happen to be looking at the tire and there's a mud and, uh, oh my God, uh, what is it called? Like when they're fixing the road and t- uh, the melted tire, what is that? Not melted tire, melted- The tar? Um, the asphalt? Tar, yeah. yeah. Melted asphalt is melted on my tire all the way, like all the way around my tire is melted. I guess when they were fixing the Long Island Expressway with the potholes, I must have ran over hot tar, okay? And it actually melted on my tire. So now as it's drying, it's like flapping on the back of my tire. Oh, jeez. So I you- mean, have... Have you ever heard of this? No, I haven't. You have the baddest luck in the entire world with that car and the tires and the Long Island Expressway. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah. It's, the Long, it's I mean, the Long Island Expressway. Yeah. So now I, I said, you know what? Let me go get an oil change and let me ask the guy if he could peel the top. Like the guy was going to peel the top. What, he's going to take a chisel like, out? Like, like, like. Like I really thought, I actually really did think it, but like, I, so I asked him, excuse me, sir, I said, can you do the oil change? And by the way, I have tar melted on the back of my tire. Can you peel that off? He like looked at me like I had like five heads and he was like, no. And I, so I was like, why? And he said, well, it's going to come off eventually, like once it dries. I'm like, it is dry. I'm like, but it's not coming off yet. And he was like, oh, well, it will. <laughs> I was like, okay, no problem. <laughs> uh, only you, Amory. I mean, I had that tire incident a few months ago. Uh, I think it was back in October. <gasps> For those who don't know what I'm talking about, back up a few episodes. I think it was episode like 23, 24. Is this AJ's Boys <laughs> Weekend went wrong. Yeah, check out that. I mean, how about that for not having a boys weekend? I had three oh, freaking boy. flat tires three days in a row. So I could feel you, Amory, with that the little flap, flap, flap type noise. But Oh, my God. Oh my it God. really Just... sounded like the tire was flat. But anyway, that's the crazy Long Island Expressway story because we haven't heard one in a while. So I <laughs> figured I'd Figured I'd add one to the show before, you know, our uh, whoop whoop guy comes on there. (laughs) There we go. I'm wearing my Bose Quiet Comfort headphones right now. And that thing, I had the noise canceling on and it just vibrates. I just love it. I love it. Yeah, that song is crazy, bro. That song is like one of the most played songs in the world, man. And one it's of it be played forever. Imagine having a song. Imagine having just one song that people gonna play forever, bro. Absolutely, absolutely. So he should be dialing in very shortly. 
We made, uh, I, I spoke to him a couple times on the phone. We texted back and forth, emailed each other. We, we are confirmed. I was excited. I put the question out on Facebook. Uh, I, I'm a little too late for the uh, question, but I put it out there. I got some responses and we'll ask a couple of questions from our listeners. And uh, thank you for listeners for the good response. And uh, let's see if we can try to get some answers. All right. Oh, 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 oh. I see him connecting in through uh, our uh, our uh, Skype here. I see oh, him connecting. I'm so excited! I'm excited! All right, we got the legendary DC Glenn. Uh oh. Yes, yes. How about this? I always crank up my music when I hear this. Even back in 1993-94, I had my little Dodge Neon back in the day. I just uh -huh. I had this amp in my car, and I just loved the vibration of. Here we go. Party people. There we go. DC Glenn, you are on. Thanks for coming to our podcast. I can relate to that with AJ, Baxabillion, and Amory. Honey, how are you? Before we get started tonight, I got one thing to get off my chest. Uh-oh. What's that? Sprinkles! <laughs> sprinkles! <laughs> yeah, speaking of sprinkles, I got... I, I just love this song. I don't know. I'm going to cut it off right now. But yes. The Geico commercial. Everybody, you just like came back into my life with that. I think it was Super Bowl it was being played at, right? Yeah, it actually started. It actually dropped Christmas night, midnight. Christmas night. Oh, I don't know. where was I hanging out? But yes, my first time was the Super Bowl. I was like, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But you know, that that lets you know, right? It lets you know that um, it's just it, it's just one of those things of how they bought the ads. They did it real strategic. And the Super Bowl hit it off to me. Just the, the most important things that happened during that time, like Rockin' New Year's Eve, um, all the college football playoffs, every week in the NFL, it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And I'm so happy right now. I mean, I couldn't imagine anything this big happening to me. And, um, you know, I'm having a good time with it. That's awesome. That's how, how did that come about? I mean, did they just reach out to you and says, hey, can you make so, a commercial? Well, see, there's more that goes into it because, you know, there's several threads that go back to my life, right? And go back to the person I am and go back to my tenaciousness and my hustle and all the things that make me me, right? And one of them was um, back in 2012. Um, I'm DJing at the club, right? And I get a call like, DC, uh, there's a lady on the phone from you. And I'm like, oh my God, which one of these girls I done, hmm. So I, go, <laughs> I pick up the phone like, hello? And she's like, DC, I got to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. I was like, hold on. I'm at work. Call me in the morning at this number, right? Because I've been DJing for 30 years. I, I will always, I'm, I'm a DJ first and foremost. So I'm at the club and I'll call the lady in the morning and it's a reporter from the New York Times. And she's like, have you seen the Gawker article? And I'm like, what? She's like, Gawker wrote an article that Barack Obama was in the Womb There It Is video. And I'm like, what? How did you even find me? And she was like, <laughs> very, very hard to find you. And that whole week, that story blew up. We did all the major news networks. We did PR that whole week. Jeannie Mo, CNN. We did um, uh, Stephen Colbert. We did so much stuff. And it was kind of, it kind of made me mad because... I had nothing to show for it. That was mm. an opportunity to make money. 
and I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared because we didn't have a web presence. Nobody could find us, right? And that day, that week started my SEO career, you know, search engine optimization, which is you type in something to Google and you find it, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And I build websites and and all of that. So I know how to use the algorithms and all, all of those things of that nature. And it took me 10 years to learn that. And back then, if you typed in tag team, it would be all wrestling. Right. You type in tag team today, it's all tag team. Right. And I tell uh-huh. you this story because, you know, I went, I, I said, I'm not going to let that happen again because it's my responsibility to make us money. Right. I'm not going to sit and wait for people to say, okay, I think I want tag team for this 90s show. Uh-uh. You got to be proactive. You got to hustle. You got to keep laying seeds. You got to be hard with it. And that was one that slipped through the cracks. So fast forward to, you know, 2020, September, I get a call from my agent who, cause I'm an actor and a voice artist. And my agency is a people store agency in the South in Atlanta. They're the biggest in the Southeast. And my agent calls me and says, DC, you just booked a Geico commercial. I'm like, don't play with me. <laughs> I auditioned for a Geico commercial cause I'm thinking actor, right? Yeah. Right. For that, there's no way I got a Geico commercial. I don't understand. She's like, DC, you got a Geico commercial. She said they wanted tag team. I was like, oh, that's right. Tag team. And I went and checked, you know, I got the site up, went and checked the phone because we have a dedicated line. And sure enough, there was a message from Geico. DC, want to have you in the Geico commercial? And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. And they didn't give up. They went and found me on IMDb. Mm -hmm. And IMDb is my actor's portal. Then they called my agent. My agent called me. And then I was like, okay, we got it from here. But I was like, wait a minute. Let your agent do this because this is acting. This is all of the above. Let them make the deal. Yeah. And I let my agents make the deal. And it is the most lucrative deal I have ever signed in my life. Wow. And, you know, it has, it, it, it has just been a blessing. And everybody's like, I know you're happy. You got a Geico commercial. I was like, I was happy for the first two days. And then the work began <laughs> because I'm an actor. And I knew how big this Geico commercial was. And I knew I had to bring it. And that's when I started, you know, I, I trained for a whole month. And you say, train for a Geico commercial? Well, I wanted to go in with six or seven things that I could go to the director and say, hey, I would like to do these things, right? And that's what I did. So I tried to find somebody to fabricate a spinning scoop. And <laughs> nobody was like, everybody's like, what? What are you talking about? And I just couldn't find anybody. I, I knew kids love sprinkles. Yep. So I said, we've got to have tons of sprinkles. So we're going to do the LeBron James ode to, you know, the chalk at the table when he comes into the game. We're going to do the salt base sprinkles off the elbow, but I couldn't do it because I had a long sleeve shirt on and sprinkles was everywhere, you know, on the day of the video shoot. And then <laughs> we got a little dance down south. We do. I threw that in there. Just had several things that I wanted to make that I wanted to throw in just to put my imprint on this commercial. And because it, it had to be bigger than usual because I knew that we weren't going to get the benefit of the commercial because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Uh, Pepper did theirs 2014. They didn't stop touring until the pandemic. Right. So that was, I knew I had to restructure, refigure, do something else. So we get to our production meeting and I go to the director. I'm like, hey, man, we got some things we want to do. And he's like, man, whatever you want to do, DC. I was like, cool. I was trying to make a spin and scoop, but couldn't get it made. But we got other stuff. He's like, no, nah, it'll be done tomorrow. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> right, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and 
that day came and we had so much fun, full of energy. It was like a party all day. And, you know, one of the things they said that was that they couldn't believe our energy. And I'm like, it's like this all the time. I DJ eight, eight hours a night, right? I'm used to, I am the party, right? right. So I've always been the party since I was a kid. So I love that. And mm-hmm. hey, I'm I'm grinding. We doing this commercial. All the other actors are doing well. Nikki, um, who's Tasha, and then you got Amethyst, who's the little girl. Then you have um, Anthony Goosby, who's the dad. And me and Steve did our thing, and it was over, right? And then I knew I had work to do, so I was like, "What can I do? What can I do? We can't do shows. We can't do this. We can't do that." Oh, let me find a publicist. And I tried to find a publicist, right? And everybody's like, well, we kind of don't know what to do with you guys because it's a Geico commercial and it's a pandemic and we usually bring you to New York and do this and do that. And I was like, they sure all give me a whole lot of excuses why they don't want to work with me. You don't Yeah, really. <laughs> and, but it was like, but here's where me being me, you know, is special because I don't give up, right? I'm tenacious. I have a... a um, a method called learning how to learn. I don't take no for an answer. So whenever I get blocked, you know, I I said, okay, you don't want to do that. Let me go join an organization, society or association because organizations, organizations are filled with people who are professionals at their profession and they love their profession. That's why they started an organization. And their goal is to help people who want to make their organization or their 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 um, their craft better. So you've got people that have been doing this 10, 20, 30, 40 years. So I said, let me go join the, uh, I always want to say press release. Mm-hmm. Let me join the Public Relations Society of America, right? And two days in, I'm on a Zoom call with this big CEO of this PR firm. And I've got all my ducks lined up, getting ready for the Geico commercial to drop. And I ask a question, are press releases relevant? And they're like, well, what's it for? I was like, well, I'm kind of featured in a national Geico commercial called Scoop. There it is. I said it real slow, right? Right, right. And, and, and I'm looking at the chat and I'm like, oh my God, is that him? Wait a minute. Oh my God, I love that commercial. My kids love that commercial. My dog loves that commercial. My grand loves that commercial. Everybody loves that commercial. I I blew up the Zoom call and everybody's talking about the commercial now and they settled down and they were like, we're going to talk about that DC after the the podcast, but we want to know, you will get back to your question. Our press release is relevant. And the CEO's like, yes, because the whole last year has been doom and gloom, right? right? Everything's been COVID. Everybody's mm-hmm. fighting each other. We all, everybody thought we was going to turn into zombies last March. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. Everybody was tired. And then here you guys come throwing sprinkles everywhere and eating ice cream and dancing and, and having a good time and just bringing joy to the world and giving everybody right. reason to smile at the right time in history. Right. Like that's a beautiful yeah. thing, too. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely a beautiful thing. And you were speaking on like energy. Yeah. There it is, has a lot of energy, like a, a lot of good, positive, positive, positive energy, like a good vibe. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? How did that come about? I don't even want to talk about that because everybody think, everybody think it's a small Manhattan project, super secret. I had whiteboards and used theorems and trigonometry and physics and it was nothing but a song about two dudes partying, trying to get women on a Friday night. 
Wow. <laughs> but it's t- it's timeless though, because I feel like yeah, I remember but, it. But but see, what is what is the essence of it, right? What is the essence of it? It's so simple. Like you're trying to make it something more than what it is, when the essence of it is the thing that we used to love to do or the thing that we still love to do. Mm-hmm. Till the end of time, people will celebrate. Mm-hmm. Right? That's all it is, man. Wow. Playing on that emotion. And we just made a song that happened to hit at the right time and everybody loved it. And mm-hmm. it ended up being, you know, one of the biggest records in the history of recorded music. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it, right? There was no special sauce. There was no, only only special sauce about it was we were in the Southeast. I knew that we had to make a bass record to come out of the Southeast. Because I went to school in SAC, we're from Denver. We made hip hop. I ordered all, as a DJ, I ordered records from New York, LA, uh, Philly, uh, DC. So I had everything. Our influences were hip hop. But when I went to Steve, it was like, yo, we got to do a bass record if we're going to ever get out of the Southeast in Atlanta. He's like, man, I can't make that stuff, man. You know, it's kind of, that's what, you know, I love it, but it's hard to make. And I'm like, don't think that. Don't think it like that. Think of it as Planet Rock. Because in the end, Planet Rock is, that is, that's the essence of hip hop. That's the beginning of hip hop. I mean, for that's the beginning of the B-boy uh, era, right? Now you had, you know, Grandmaster Flash and you had, you know, The Message and all those records before then. But once you bought in Planet Rock up tempo, you got All Not Fish, you got Craftwork, you got all those songs that make everybody dance. Those songs have um have a thread throughout the history of music that people are still making that type of music today just in different ways. Wow. So mm. he, so he he put together the beat. We knew we were gonna use Kano because we wanted we had we were looking for a reason to use Kano for three, four years, right? And whoop, there it is. I I was trying to match other songs to it because I got rhyme books for days. So I'm like, what can go with this? What can go with this? And I just started writing whoop, there it is. And it was just a song, you know, party saying, throw your hands in the air like you just don't care. Right. The equivalent of that. And I wrote it out and we went to the studio and we hooked it up. And then we were like, man, we don't even got no bridges or no, we just, well, Hey man, we're just gonna fill in some stuff, right? Because it was a, a rough recording, so we was just playing around. It was like shaka laka shaka, and then can you dig it? And yeah. you know all yeah. that stuff. All those ad libs were made up on the fly. Wow! Right? So it was nothing concocted or special or anything. Me and Steve got an argument about doing party people at the beginning. I'm <laughs> <laughs> glad I lost that argument because that is me, right? Yeah, and and. Um, that is the essence of Womp, there it is. We recorded it, and I went to work that night because I was, you know, spinning that night, and I went and dropped that cassette in the cassette player, and to this day, that is the biggest response on any record I've ever had. It certainly is. Still is. Still it's is. It's like one of the biggest, everywhere I go, like, if I, even in jobs, like, if I work in a, a job setting, mm. they're playing Hoop, 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 there it is, to get the, get the, uh, yeah. Employees up, get them going crazy. Yeah. That song is crazy. It just, it, I knew, I knew we had something, but my hubris as a young man <laughs> was like, every record I make is a hit record. What you talking about? Right. <laughs> so yeah. I actually shelved Womp There It Is and didn't play it for a while. Then one of the girls was like, how come you don't never play Womp There It Is no more? I was like, I'll play it for you, baby. And play it again. The same thing happened. But this time, one of my record reps was in the house, Alan Cole from Columbia Records. 
He was like, what is that? I was like, that's my new record, dog. He was like, man, give me that record. I gave him a record. He sent it to New York. Now Columbia Records is calling me. This is the winter of 1993. Then I'm like, ooh, that works. I mean, hit all of my record reps. Hit all my record reps. Now I got Epic, A&M. I got all these records. Come Warner Brothers, everybody. Like, we love the record. We love the record. But they didn't know what to do with it because it was from the South. Back then, hip-hop was just New York. And then barely just started. L.A. just started, right? Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. You know, there were a couple other people branching out, but it was it was East Coast, West Coast, and I almost gave up. And a young lady. So wait, you're saying that they weren't going to take it because you were not from like East Coast, West Coast? You're saying? Mm-hmm. What I'm, I'm confused. Is, you know those people who <laughs> right? You have people in your life say, "Yeah, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, and we're gonna do this," and then they don't do it. Oh, so it's playing with me, right? Because. They were like, well, we want to we want to wait a little while and we want to nurture you guys and we want to do this and do that. And I was just like, dude, I got a hit record. What are you talking about? Right. Like you hear the reports. You could drop this on a single right now and get paid. What are you talking about? And they all were the same because that was the major labels mentality. Right. Wow. They would line them up. You know what I mean? They, they didn't know what they were doing. They were just throwing stuff at the wall. They've all record companies have always done that. Mm. Right now, people do come along to have really good talent, but they don't. Even if they got the greatest talent in the world, that don't mean they're going to have a hit record. See, oh, records, wow. records is different, right? And the major, the major label mentality was just so different. They didn't know wow. if they want to take a chance on it. So, young lady, Miss Lisa McCall, she worked at Mercury Records. She told me to call mm-hmm. a guy named Al Bell. Al Bell used to own Stax Records back in the day. Okay, and that can be you know for history buffs. The first three record companies for soul music was Motown, mm-hmm. Barry Gordon. You had Philly International, and you had Stax Records, Al Bell. And Al Bell had put out a record the year before called Daisy Dukes by Deuce, and it went gold. <laughs> it was a bass record. Yeah. You can, hey, that's why you're laughing, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm an '80s baby, so look, I'm an '80s baby, so I remember those songs. We used yeah, to, yeah, you know the uncles and aunts. Go dance, go dance, nephew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I I called out Bill and I said, hey, you know, he, this is DC, hit me back. And it took about a week and a half to call me back. I actually forgot. He called me, he's like, hey, brother. And I was like, who is this? He's like, Mr. Bell. And I was like, hey, Mr. Bell, let me tell you something, man. I got a hit record. I'm in the hottest club in the country because I'm DJing at Magic City, right? You know, America's number one adult entertainment complex. Facts. You see what I'm saying? Facts. Bricks on it. I started Magic City '89. First, first time I went to start at Magic City was the night that uh, "Do the Right Thing" came out. That was the week of. That's when I started Magic City. Spike Lee's movie came out. Yeah, That's when I moved yeah, yeah. to Atlanta. And you know, I was like, I got everybody knows it. Every you can ask anybody in the South, they're hearing this record. And he was like, you know, I was like, you got to sign us, dude. No, no plan, no games. And he was like, okay. I was like, oh. <laughs> Wait, he just said, okay? Yeah, he was like, okay. I was like, well, nah, you, you, ain't, you ain't even heard the record, right? And to this day, I'll never forget these words. He was like, brother, I don't got to hear the record. I hear it in your spirit. Mm, wow. Nice, nice. To agree. And I gave my two weeks in Magic City. We signed a messed up record deal. And in a month and a half, we were platinum. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. And 
I had, you know, it it is what it is. And because I was a DJ, I was never starstruck. I never, I was always, I've always been observed, you know, been an observer, right? That's part of my hustle because you learn more through just watching and talking to people, right? So right. I, I would watch this. I got to Atlanta when Babyface got to Atlanta, L.A. Reid, Bobby Brown, all the big folks got primetime, Deion Sanders. That was in that era, right? And I knew all them cats and I all the other young rappers and people who would get put on down there because, you know, L.A. had uh, LaFace. I would watch them rise and I would watch them fall. And I would watch them rise and treat people like crap. Not all of them, but some of them. And then I would ride, watch them fall and watch people revel in their demise and see them never come back. Right. And I vowed to never be that person, right? I observed. And I knew that I wasn't going to be a rah-rah dude. I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't trying to be a star. I'm trying to get this paper because I'm in a strip club. That's all we do is get the paper, right? We rock the party, get the paper. Because at the beginning of, of hip-hop, and this is the theme of my life. There's only one question. Can you rock a party? Can you move the crowd? That's the only question. That's the only right. thing that matters back then, mm -hmm. right? Nothing else mattered. If you couldn't do that, you wasn't making no money. Right. Period. So I'm doing that times 10 with butt naked women. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's horrible. Women had so much power because those were the women that broke songs. Those the women that broke the broke the records that people wouldn't have necessarily liked. Because every time somebody came to Atlanta, they had to go to Magic City. So if they go to Magic City and they're hearing a bass record, or if they're hearing a record they ain't heard before, or if they're hearing something from their own region, they got a story to tell when they go back. Right. Like, man, I heard them playing that down south. They playing your record down south? Or, man, I heard this record down south. Man, that was, man, that record was the bomb. But what they don't really don't know, they've been hypnotized by yeah. some of the most beautiful women on the planet dancing to music. And that's what makes, that was, that's back then, that's what made people love the music. So, I mean, my roots are deep, right? And, you know, my whole thing is hustle. You know, now I'm a motivational speaker. I'm an actor. I'm an SEO specialist. I do voiceover. Um, I do all kinds of things. And where I can get back to the Geico thing, when I was on the call with the CEO, she was like, not only is the press release relevant, but you're going to go here to do to get all in front of all the podcasts. You're going to go here to get in front of all the journalists. You're going to go here to get in front of all the TV talk shows. You're going to make sure your pitches like this. Boom, 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 boom. She gave me an entire game in 10 minutes. Wow. That's how I tell that story because joining the organization is one of my learn-to-learn -learn tactics. That's one of my hustle tactics, right? And it has opened my life and my future to things I could not have ever imagined in the last three months. Right. Not because of the Geico commercials, but because of my hustle, right? And now I've got so many things on the table it's just unreal, and it is the reason that I am sitting here talking to you good folks right now. And that's and dope. And we're excited. Yes, we yeah, are. Story because everybody needs to know that there's nothing you can't do, right? People, and you're giving a game. You're giving so much game. You don't even. Hey, man, you don't that's even what understand. it's all about. That's all it is. Is game. Because I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here trying to talk to you, but I'm learning at the same time. Hey, so man. it's like, hold on, I'm taking notes. But we're supposed to be having a conversation, but you teaching me so much. Ask a question. 
So this is what I want to know. All right. What's the best way, right, mm-hmm. to break an album? The yeah. best way to break a out the, the break an album. Break an album? Yeah. I tell you what, I don't know about that because see that that has changed. That paradigm has changed. Mm-hmm. But this is what I do when people like if you were to come to me and say, "What's the best way?" I'd be like, "Do you really want my help?" And you'd be like, "Yeah." I'm like, okay, I'm going to send you a file. This file has a book in it. If you don't like to read, don't know how to read, then I got a video in there for you, right? When you finish that, holler at me, and I'll tell, I'll, 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 we'll go to the next phase. Okay? I'm going to need that file. I'm going to need that book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, back needs that book. Here's the thing. I'm going to need that book. 98% of the people never hit me back. 98% of the people never do the work. That's how you know who's real and who's not, right? And I'm not, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying nobody ever really takes me up on that because it's different. It's not about being a star. It's not about this. It's not about the things that they think being a successful artist is. But what I'm doing, what, what, what's in that file, you know, I've got a guy named Cordell. He's an Army veteran. Right, he was in Afghanistan, suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder. So he raps, and he reached out to me, and I did the same thing to him. And he came back a month later, was like, "Hey, man, I read the book, I, I looked at the video, I, I I get it, but there's some questions I got." I was like, "Cool," because I know you did it. And then he's like, "I we we chop it up, woo woo woo." I tell him the whole game, right? And he's like, "Oh, okay, I get it, but I still don't get why you telling me this first. And I said, "Because now." I have full confidence that you will never be taken advantage of in the music industry. Mm. I gave you the back end first. I gave you the part where after all the money, the cars, how to break an album, how to break it on SoundCloud, how to do it. I gave you, I'm not even concerned about that. I'm concerned about you. Once the, once the music fades, do you have the rights to your music? Because if you have the rights to a mediocre song, you can live off that forever. Yeah. That's what people don't know. That's what I didn't know. And my mission for the rest of my life, that's why I do these things, is that I just want to talk to people about the things I wish somebody had told me when I was a young man. I might not have listened because I was young, because youth is wasted on the young. It is. On the real. But it is. at least I want to know, right? Because I listen, I hustle. I might have put some things together and been been a different, it would have been a different outcome, but I look back on it, I wouldn't change a thing because I would be standing here in front of with a, with a Geico commercial. I did, like I've done it twice. I got yeah. one of the biggest records in the history of music and then I got one of the biggest commercials in the history of commercials when it gets said and done. Right. Right? And Bless. that's, see, I think different. You know what I mean? Like we got in a lawsuit. You know, we everything's going good for the first, from like 93 to 96, 97. But then the record company went bankrupt. And then another record company bought that, uh, the original record company out of bankruptcy. And then they had a battle because they took things that they shouldn't have took, which was the music publishing, right? So now somebody's making millions of dollars off one side. We're in the middle and these two record companies are fighting. Now I can fight one record company, but I can't fight two. So instead of crying over spilt milk, because that stopped my career. 
we couldn't make no more music after that because I would be damned if I was going to make some music and then they come back like, what? And if I did another hit record and they come back, well, you know, you kind of owe us because they know how to money up the works. So it's not about money when it comes to that. It is about, you know, fluidity, flexibility, right? And I was like, okay, I didn't cry over spilt milk. I said, what can I do? Because I know I'm going to have my day in court. So I basically became a paralegal, right? I said, if I'm going to be sitting here, let me make sure I gather every piece of evidence, make sure I keep everything, make sure I organize everything. And that's what I did for 20 years, right? In the meanwhile, we're still doing shows. I'm still doing, I'm doing, I'm DJing, making show money, right? I'm having a good time. We're doing shows. We live in life. We young men. We doing our thing. And as time goes on, I said, you know what? Let me let me correct some things in my life. And I became a licensed commodities broker. Start trading Forex, right? And, you know, I, I vowed that nobody ever take advantage of my money again. So I did something about it. And that's why I did that. Then it got good to me. I was like, I'm about to have a hedge fund. I don't know nothing about no hedge fund. Well, let me let me do one of my learn to learn hustle tactics, right? What I did is, you know, I I know that a hedge fund has a hedge fund manager. So I start calling around hedge fund managers and then I'm like, this is DC Glenn. Uh, made a record called Womp. There it is. I didn't leave with that, but it eventually got to that. They were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and I was like, I need yeah. a hedge fund manager because I got prime time. I got LA Ray, LA Reed, Babyface. I got all these people I know them through the club. Can we set up a meeting? And it was like, heck yeah. So I'm in the boardroom of, of hedge fund managers in New York, LA, San Francisco, Nevada, in, in Las Vegas. And there we're talking. And I'm like, so why should I let you do use my hedge fund? You know, why should I let you manage my money? Because I got everybody's money. And they're like, no, DC, because of this, 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 and that, this, this, and this. And they're just explaining and explaining why they should do this. And what they don't understand is that while they're pitching me, they're teaching me. Mm. Learn how to learn. Hustle. I get that. <laughs> learn what fact. that was inside and out. And it wasn't for me because it felt like intellectual gambling. And I don't gamble. I'm terrible at it, right? I get emotional about it. So I didn't do it. But a lot of times people think, well, dang, you failed. It's like, no. You drop a bomb, there's collateral damage, right? Well, when you do things and they don't pan out the way you thought and lead you in another direction, I call that collateral sprinkles, right? Hmm. It's the good stuff, right? Sprinkles. At, the, at 2000, beginning of 2000, <laughs> end of the century, I would look at CNBC, did not understand anything they were saying. Two years later, I knew everything they were saying. So I had my financial education because I hustled. I learned how to learn and I got mine. And at about, about right around that time, a little bit later, I knew that I was going to be all right because I'm sitting in a movie theater and I'm looking at Will Ferrell dance on a table in the mailroom, dancing to my record. Oh my God, that was so funny. <laughs> and that let me know. That whoop, there it is, was going to be an evergreen record. I have a forever hit record. Now it's my responsibility to make my money. Ain't nobody going to make it for me. It's my responsibility to make my money. Absolutely. So I was into the big self-help thing. You know what I mean? And, and the reason I'm talking like this, because 
Womp There It Is is the genesis of all of it. Everything I ever do is because of Womp There It Is. Because Womp There It Is is taking me down so many twists and turns in my life that I have to be able to adapt and develop the tools to deal with it, right? Without losing my damn mind, right? So I'm in the clubs having a good time. I'm on the self-help kick. And I remember, I, I mean, I did everything. There was this one book. I can't remember the name of the book. But the guy wanted to run a pie shop. He said, I want a pie shop. Let me go work at a pie shop. He went and worked at a pie shop, came a busboy, came up, learned how to do pies. Then he quit. Then he got his own pie shop. Then he franchised the pie shop and sold it for $20 million, right? <laughs> and he called that process getting in the corridor, right? Wow. And I realized that I had been doing that my whole life because I'm not just the DJ. I'm your light tech. I'm your sound tech. I am your marketing. I am your VO for your television commercials. I cut your television commercials. I do your video for your television commercials. I do your flyers. I do your fashion photography for all the girls. And I put all the girls in magazines. I do all these things because you have to make yourself invaluable. I don't care if you're at a dead end job. I don't care where you're at. Make yourself invaluable. That means you got to do way more than anybody else is doing. But what happens when you make yourself invaluable, you'll ne- you'll always have a job mm-hmm. and you'll always have health insurance and you'll always have like you always you'll have everything you need. Mm-hmm. Right. Amen. I, Amen. I've done that my whole life mm-hmm. and I've always been straight. That's why, you know, I can be I could be just DJ and having a good time four or five mm-hmm. years ago because I'm straight. But mm-hmm. that's not enough because everybody's like, dang, D.C., See, everybody sees me doing all these things, but mm-hmm. you're in these streets, right? And when you in competition with other people trying to scrap for this money, right? People is watching you. And if they and they know I'm a hustler, they looking at my hustle like, dang, right? <laughs> and I've even seen y'all look at me like, woo, a couple of times because <laughs> I think different. Oh, that's and a fact. And is that it's not enough to have one hustle. I've got six hustles. But I might be just rocking one and I got six hustles in the hole. So if somebody steals my hustle, they're like, yeah, I got your hustle, dog. And I'll be like, hey, man, good job. You can have that hustle because this hustle's on deck. Now catch me if you can. Right? Right. That's right. You just got five other rabbit holes. That's yep. all. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you, you, you can't touch me because I'm going through That's it. right. And I, I, I learned, you know, in 2000, I started my company, CLG Investment Seek. That's part of the self-help thing. I said, dude, run your life like a corporation. Mm-hmm. So I started running my life like a corporation. Got business license. I got a C-Corp. I know what to do. I, I'm a, I know my own bookkeeping. I know QuickBooks inside out. I know where every piece of money's going. I know how to make business plans. That was brutal. I thought it was just an essay about what you want to do with <laughs> your, your uh, you know, with, with your company. But business plan, you got to know a whole bunch of stuff. You sure but do. Because I'm in the club. So I said, let me make a business plan for the marketing. Mm-hmm. So I get an extra check for the marketing. Yeah, now. All right. Now, yeah. I'm in the office of my owner with Tangra and Orange Juice because we in the club. And a screen. I went and bought a screen and a projector just so I could give the visual, right? Ah. I could do the theatrics, right? And I'm sitting back and I'm like, okay, so this, you know, we're going to have your bottom line like this because if we do this, 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 I think we can really turn the corner on this and you'll have a lot more money, you know? Just okay. going through that whole process, 
they was just sat there with their mouths open and she opened her checkbook, cut me a check for 25 G's and said, get started. And this is what I'm going to pay you. And then I'm going to pay you for this and I'm going to pay you for that. And I'm, and then, you know, some years might go by and I'll be like, hey, a new club's open and they talking about hollering at me like, nah, you ain't going there because of this. Bam, boom, I'm going to give you more of that. So now I got seven streams of income coming out of one club. Right. You make it. <laughs> and you know what? And you're still sucking on that orange juice. <laughs> and I'm still doing shows. I'm doing NBA halftime shows. I'm doing NFL halftime shows. Uh, I'm, I'm, but now all this marketing's gotten good to me. So let me get better at voiceover so I can do better television. I want to do voiceover for real now. Well, let me get better at video editing. Let me get better at all these things that help my hustle. And now, 2009, 2010, I'm flying to New York, L.A., training with the best coaches for voiceover. And it's hard because I'm thinking I could just, whoop, there it is, my way through anything. <laughs> right. I hit a roadblock, and it was hard. There was no solution. And sometimes in life, and this is where people go wrong, you know, you, you, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. The only way to it is through it. So Absolutely. I had to go through it. Absolutely. I went through 10 years of grueling and grinding and not understanding and pain and rejection and all that when it came to voiceover. But I never quit, right? So. Party people! All right. I can relate to that podcast. Thank you, DC Glenn. This is part one of our interview with DC Glenn. This is going to be a two-part series. We covered a lot of topics. So please join in next time on I Can Relate to That Podcast. Please go to our website, linktree.com forward slash AJ and Bax. Spelt A-J-A-N-D-B-A-X-X. That's our platform that will take you to all the other platforms you could download from. Everything from Apple to Pandora to iHeartRadio, Google, all those platforms. All right, guys. Please like and subscribe to our podcast channel. That's when you want to call it. I guess so, right? All right. Even on the linktree.com forward slash AJ and Bax, uh, we even have the link to Bax's other podcast, Passage Home Podcast, starring the Dr. Stanley Russian. All right, guys. This is such a, like, a catchy song. Doesn't make a difference. It don't make a difference how old this song is from 1994. I was in early high school at that time. I don't know. I still crank it up when I hear it. And what are we in, 2021? Oh, yeah. All right, guys. I can relate to that podcast with AJ, Baxabillion, and Amory, our newest co-host. All right, guys. Have a great one. And stay tuned for the second episode of part two of the DC Glenn interview. All right, guys. Enjoy your weekend, night, whenever you listen to this podcast. All right. Up daisies, the underground sound that you have found amazing, outstanding, demanding, commanding you people dancing. Oh,
that's a breathtaker. I produce AKA the Undertaker. You wanna come down to the underground old school? Here's a shovel. Can you dig it, fool? Can you dig it? This is a production of the AJ Podcast Network.